You're listening to Saturday Morning Rewind with Tim Nidell. Let's go back in time when turtles roam the sewers of New York. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror, the black in the And knowing was half the battle. Yo, yo! It's time for Saturday Morning Rewind. Hey, what's up, Toonsters? I am your host, Tim Nadell. Welcome to a very big episode of Saturday Morning Rewind. So glad you joined us. Today's episode, I love it. I know I say that quite a bit, but it's Dave Coulier. I mean, come on. He is a television legend, a stand-up comedian legend, voiceover legend, all around a great guy, too. I'm, I'm sure everybody knows who Dave Coulier is, but just in case you don't, here's a little thing I threw together. I love the sound of different voices. I uh, I started doing voices when I was a little kid. I used to uh, I used to ride my bike down the street just doing my Kermit the Frog impression for my neighbors. I'd be like, ah, uh, hello there, Mrs. Costello. Ah, <clears throat> uh, sorry, I have a uh, frog in my throat. <laughs> um, when Cinderella woke up, she was real thirsty, so she went to 7-Eleven for a Slurpee, where she ran into. Bullwinkle. So Bullwinkle says, Hello, Cinderella. Would you like to come to the ball with me? Not only am I a great dancer, but you can hang your coat on my antlers. Dave was also on uh, The Real Ghostbusters. He he filled in after Lorenzo Music, uh, after a couple seasons. Good idea, Winston. Slimer, since you did such a good job of protecting the spotette, you're in charge of watching her, okay? You guys also might remember, if you're a little bit older, on Nickelodeon, a show called Out of Control. Well, it looks like you could use a hurry up, so let's hurry up. <laughs> And, of course, his stand-up. Nice to be here in New York City. I love riding around in taxi cabs in New York because the taxi cab drivers in New York City are so unfazed. They are just unflappable. They have heard anything. I could walk out of here right now, walk into a taxi, sit in the back seat. The guy wouldn't even be phased. I could walk in, just sit down, right, and just like, um, okay, uh, listen, you got to take me to West 52nd. I got to go over there and shoot a guy. Okay, I will get you there as soon as possible so you can go and shoot the guy. But uh, before we get to it, I do need to plug a couple things. If you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, we could really use those positive iTunes reviews. If you don't have that much time, I mean, it takes seriously like 15, 20 seconds, just leave a five-star review. You don't need to write anything. Just click on the five-star, submit, done. Uh, of course, if you want to write a review, that's amazing as well. But those really do help out. You'd be surprised how many people look at those and uh, decide to listen to a podcast or not to listen to a podcast. Also, remember that Gary and I are going to be at the D23 2015 Expo in Anaheim, California this August. So, if you guys are going to be there or you're in the area, you know, let us know. I'd love to meet up with any of you, you know, have a drink. It would be pretty cool to meet up with some people who listen to the show. So, uh, you can message us on Facebook or Twitter, 
or even leave a message on our tune line, which is our voicemail system, at 406-214-4451. Um, oh, many ways to get a hold of us. And one more thing, I'm also planning a pretty huge 2017, I know it's in the future, but 2017 fan event. It's in the beginning stages right now, but I want to do something, I'm thinking at Disneyland, like a day in the park, and maybe dinner or lunch or something, all together. So if that's something that interests you, you know, just to meet some fellow cartoon lovers, I think it'd be really cool to spend a whole day with listeners. And, you know, we're all fans of the same thing. It'd be super, super cool and super fun. So think about that. 2017, maybe start saving now if money's an issue. But it'll be a fun time. I guarantee it. But anyways, speaking of fun time, I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. It was a fun one. So, see you guys. How you doing, Dave? I'm good. Are you in Montana? I am in Montana. Yeah, I thought you might appreciate that since you were recently married in Montana. Yeah, my wife's from uh, Livingston. Oh, nice. I was wondering why you guys picked, uh, what is it, Paradise uh, Valley? Paradise Valley, yeah. yeah, no, yeah we go up there. I've been going up there every summer for about the last maybe 15 years or so. And so uh, I love fly fishing. and Yeah. And, and so that's where I met my wife, and I kind of fell in love with the area, and there was no question when we were going to get married where it was going to be. <laughs> I love that area, too. That, that's, a, that's probably my favorite road of all the roads I've been on is from Livingston to Yellowstone. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible little uh, area. What city are you in? Where are you near? I am near Missoula, so I'm about four and a half hours okay. from there. Sure. I also go to Yellowstone. I try to go once a year because I used to work. I used to work in Yellowstone. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did that for two summers. I worked at the front desk of the Old Faithful Inn one summer, and then I worked at the um, like the Hamilton store next to it for another summer. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah. Anyways, Dave, this is huge. I've been a huge fan of yours since I couldn't even remember. It's weird. I mean, I, out of a control. Was that in 1984? That was 1984. I spoke to Marty Schiff, who played the character Hern Burford, yesterday. Wow. Yeah, we're, uh, we still talk to each other. And Diz, if you remember that crazy character, uh-huh. Diz, in real life, still works at the same newsstand that she did when we were doing Out of Control. Wow. And I was, I was doing a show at Fox uh, a few years ago, and I was driving home from the studio... And I stop at, at a stoplight, and I look to my right, and Diz is sitting there in full Diz regalia, <laughs> reading a magazine. So I rolled my window down. I went, Diz, it's time for a hurry up. And she goes, away, it's day. <laughs> oh, uh, my goodness. Pretty funny. Yeah, that was just a freakish moment. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Wow. Okay, so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about your childhood, just to kind of see how you ended up where you are. Um, what kind of cartoons did you watch as a kid? I loved Popeye. Uh, I loved the Bullwinkle cartoons. I loved Felix the Cat. I loved um, Fractured Fairy Tales and Sherman and Peabody. I loved Yogi Bear. I loved all the Warner Brothers stuff. But I also liked... Um, the Jetsons. I also loved Johnny Quest. 
I uh, I was a Saturday morning cartoon freak, and so I would just imitate the voices on the show. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you had to get up at like seven a.m., and that's when the cartoons would oh, start yeah. on Saturday when I was a kid. I miss those days of Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. I mean, it's just, you know, it's so different now. And, you know, you look back at those cartoons, which I have over the years, and they're so politically incorrect that you can't even run them now. I mean, people would be, there's just so many stereotypes and political incorrectness. and, And it was just, you know, they were all written in a different time. And so America was a much different place when those shows were being written and produced. And so... It's kind of a shame because the artwork is tremendous, the, the, the comedy, the timing of those animated shows was really incredible. And I guess I forgot Scooby-Doo as well because I loved watching yeah. Scooby and would, would later work on, on Scooby as my first uh, job, really, when I got here to Los Angeles. Scooby was my first job. Yeah, tell me about that. How, how did you land that role? I mean, and what voices did you do for that? I just got a check for like six cents the other day from the episode that I did. And I, um, what I did was I, I put together a voiceover um, audition tape, uh, you know, just promoing my range and the voices that I could do at the time. And I dropped it off at Hanna-Barbera Studios. And back then, Hanna-Barbera was producing a lot of animation. And so I dropped it off. And that was on a Friday and I swear to you, on Monday, I got a call and they said, we'd love for you to come in and work on Scooby-Doo. And it was that simple. And then years later, I befriended uh, Andrea Romano. She was mm-hmm. my agent. And she's now become this iconic yeah. cartoon director. Yeah, she is. So Andrea was my agent. And we just became great friends. And she told me one day, she said, you know, for years at Hanna-Barbera, we used your voiceover uh, tape as the the template uh, that we would show people like this is how you put together a voiceover tape hmm. and so I was just I was just really kind of blindsided when she said that because there's so many incredible voiceover people that they used my tape was just uh, beyond flattering yeah no kidding so Don Messick was involved and uh, Casey Kasem was this for this was for uh, Scrappy Doo, right? For Scooby Doo and Scrappy Doo. This was no, this was just Scooby. Oh, okay. And, and uh, my friend Frank Welker, who's who we're still friends with to this day. Uh, Frank and I are both airplane pilots, and and uh, I'll tell you a funny story later about me and Frank Welker okay. and flying. But um, I met Frank uh, that day. And Don Messick was there, and uh, Casey Kasem was there, and Frank was there, and um, it was it was incredible. I I couldn't believe that I was working on a show that I'd grown up watching. That's true. And the name of the episode that I did was called Muscle Trouble, and it's this big guy Muscles who chases Scooby and Shaggy around on this deserted island, and uh, <laughs> it was just. <laughs> So surreal. I think I was probably 20 or 21 years old. But back then, the world of voiceover for animation was a very small group. It was a bunch of specialists who could really do a bunch of different voices. So, you know, I got into that that 
you know, that little uh, fold. And, and it was amazing because back then there was no limit. You know, we would do five, six, seven voices on a show. Mm-hmm. And then years later, the union said, well, you can only do up to three voices. But, but I would just sit there and work on shows like, you know, the Jetsons where I worked with the original cast. They brought the show back for syndication and, uh, they brought back Mel Blanc and, um, Dawes Butler, um, uh, Frank Welker, uh, was there. Um, Gordon Hunt was the director. Oh, nice. Um, uh, Janet Waldo, Gene Vanderpile, uh, who later did Wilma's voice on the Flintstones. Um, but, uh, or I should say earlier she did uh, Wilma's voice. Um, but it was this incredible feeling to be in a room, especially not just with all those iconic voice people that I'd listened to, but Mel Blanc was just, um, I couldn't stop staring at him and I had to kind of, he caught me staring at him a couple of times. I was just like, wow, this is, I'm sitting in the same room as, you know, a hundred characters that I love. Yeah. So wow. it, was, it was quite a, quite an experience. I would love to hear that story about Frank, by the way, the airplane story. Well, Frank and I are both pilots, and, and so we had our airplanes, and there was an aviation safety seminar down in San Diego. So Frank said, why don't we both, we'll fly our airplanes there, and um, we'll uh, go to this seminar. So Frank and I flew from Los Angeles here down to, to um, San Diego, California, and on the way... Uh, we went through some airspace because we were about a mile away from each other in the air. And we, uh, we went through some airspace that we should not have been. We clipped a little portion of the Miramar uh, air station um, airspace. <laughs> so Frank and I actually, we joke about that because we got in trouble going to a safety seminar. We were like two guys who were not being safe yeah. going to a safety seminar. <laughs> Oh, you rebels. Yeah, we, we got <laughs> reprimanded by the FAA, and they slapped their hand, and that was about it. Nice. Yeah, Frank, I, I, I can't say anything. I don't know. It's He's he's God, pretty much. <laughs> he is. And, you know, it's funny, because I talk to Frank, and we make each other laugh very hard. In fact, so hard that there have been recordings uh, where we were not allowed to sit near each other where the director had to break us apart uh-huh. because we were just goofing around way too much. So um, there was an instance where we were doing Muppet Babies and it was, um, it was uh, Frank, they had already separated Frank and I because we were goofing around. <laughs> so Greg Bird played the character Fozzie on Muppet Babies. So they needed some efforting sounds where Fozzie and Animal were going up this ladder, and Animal was pushing Fozzie up the ladder. So we both had to do our efforting sounds, which was just, ah, 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 you know, and ah, ah, ah. So there's a little pause as we're doing the efforting sounds, and Greg Bird farted, and everybody in the studio heard it. And I looked at Frank, and I fell off my chair, so we're laughing so hard that I'm literally on the ground trying to crawl out of the studio because I can't. <laughs> I'm insane with laughter. And there was a little brief moment 
right after it happened where Greg Bird, and this is so funny, I remember it like it was yesterday, he, in character as Fozzie, just went, excuse me. <laughs> and that made Frank and I erupt with laughter even more in our director, Hank Soroyan, couldn't compose himself. It, I crawled out of the studio on my hands and knees laughing. And then we listened to the recording afterwards. And, and Hank goes, we have to listen to this again. <laughs> so we all sat there and we listened to it. And of course, we, it, we just doubled over with laughter all over again. It was just one <laughs> of the funniest moments uh, that I've ever experienced in anything. Too bad they never made the episode, right? No, I don't think they would put a fart. No, in I don't episode. think so either. <laughs> Isn't it funny how, as we age, farts are still funny? I've always thought farts were funny because I, I had uh, nine uncles growing up, and I always tell people that I pulled more fingers than an orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> so farts still make me, they still make me laugh, and I... I, I talk about it. I'm, I'm doing a stand-up comedy special here in a few months called Glorified Birthday Clown. And in it, I talk about how my dad warped my sense of humor. Um, when I was four years old, I pooped in the tub. And uh, my dad thought it was one of the funniest things he'd ever seen in his life. And I attribute that to my parents later getting divorced, that my dad had <laughs> such a warped sense of humor. My mom couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> But... Um, uh, you know, uh, my uncles just would, it was constant farts. And, and you know, when you got nine uncles, that's a lot of gas. In yeah, one it room. is. <laughs> a lot of protein being eaten, a lot of fart going on. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was just, and my brother used to always say, can you imagine grandma have to, <laughs> grandma having to wash their underwear growing up? <laughs> that was my brother's spin on it. Oh boy! I mean, you even have uh, bits in your in your comedy about farts—the celebrity wind and yeah. You know, I I've I've done celebrity wind on a number of occasions. Mostly, it's on radio shows or podcasts. Yeah, it's okay. just it's just so silly that it's just you know it just makes people laugh at such a rudimentary, immature level. So I have to know what would Frank Welker sound like if he farted. Oh, Frank, you know, there's so many different variations you'd have to do because he's he's got this amazing range, and, uh, you know, I don't know where to start. <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's an amazing thing that Frank can do where he, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but Frank can do, like, 12 ducks singing at the same time. Have you ever heard that? I haven't heard the story. No, I, I wouldn't doubt he can do it, though. It's the freakiest thing I've ever seen anybody do where he just adds, he does one duck and I think it's like the 12 days of Christmas or something like that. And, and it's the freakiest thing I've ever seen somebody do because you're looking at his mouth going, where are all these ducks coming from? And, uh, it's just, it's just one of those freaky things. You know, there's another guy, Rob Paulson, I'm sure who, you know, yes. And Rob and I were both from Michigan, and we're both big Detroit Red Wings hockey fans. And Robbie and I play golf uh, once in a while. And all I have him do is his characters uh, being filthy. So 
he did was it Raj on Jimmy Neutron? Yeah. What's the or uh, not Jimmy? Yeah. What was his Raj? What's his name? Jimmy was? Jimmy Neutron. I forget what his character. But he talks like this. Okay, Jimmy. Yeah. That sounds good, Jimmy. And so I just oh oh Jimmy, my pants fell down. You know, so it's just we make <laughs> each other laugh very hard uh, doing characters. That and he does uh, George Takai Sulu from yeah. Star Trek. And he just, uh, he makes me laugh so damn hard on the golf course because he does George Takai uh, singing Broadway tunes. Wow. It's, it, yeah, it's fantastic. It's just, it's, it's brilliant. It makes me, laugh, <laughs> makes me laugh very hard. You know, I, I just, it just came to mind that you were probably the first person I imitated as a voice when I was a little kid. Really? Yeah, I just thought of it. Um, what was it? The, um, the Jackrabbit. Oh, the jackalope? Yeah, jackalope. Yeah, jackalope. Yeah. And, uh, oh, on America's Funniest People. Yeah, I remember. I remember sitting down and 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 uh, fast as possible, or never touch me. Oh, see, that's uh, that's very good. That's one of the most imitated voices that people will come up to. Yeah. You know, if I'm doing a show live somewhere and afterwards talking to fans or whatever, they they always want it. There's always one guy who comes up and, and says, <laughs> "Fast as fast can be." Well, that'd be me. Yeah. <laughs> That's you. When I worked in Yellowstone, I actually had a group of like schoolgirls come in and like eat at the restaurant I was serving at, and I had them one hundred percent convinced that the jackalope was a real animal. It was, it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah, if you go into some of those little taverns in in Montana or around the country, you'll see like a jackalope pinned to the wall. Yeah, and people are like, "I never knew that was a yeah. real animal." It's like it's not. <laughs> All right, so you already touched upon it a little bit. Muppet Babies is still one of my favorite cartoons to this day. I wish it was on DVD, but that's another story for another time. Um, how did you get involved in Muppet Babies? I actually uh, replaced Howie Mandel. Howie, um, uh, you know, he went on to other things and got very busy, and then they needed a sound alike, and so I went in and... and um, auditioned over at Hanna-Barbera and um, it was uh, for um, oh god what's the producer's name Bob and uh, Hank our director and um, you know they said okay and I said okay and they said no okay you're we want you to do the voices I said that's it they're like that's it (laughs) we're done you're hired and I was like wow okay cool Sounds great. All right. We start tomorrow. Fantastic. So that's pretty much what it was, is they just, they wanted a sound-alike character. And I remember going in the first day, and Katie Lee, um, who played Rolf on Muppet mm-hmm. Babies, I remember her just looking at me, and she goes, that's incredible. It, she goes, that is that is dead on. And I said, oh, thanks. I think it's supposed to be, right? Yeah. And she's yeah. like, yeah, but it's just weird. It's weird to hear that coming out of your mouth right now. So I remember thinking the same thing. I think it was mainly during Ghostbusters when we replaced Lorenzo Music. I there was a perfect transition when you took over. Thanks. You know, those at the time Lorenzo was such a powerful voiceover actor. You know, he was Garfield, and he was all these green. You know, these great characters and. And so I knew that I had 
very big shoes to fill. And I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to alienate the cast because Lorenzo was loved by everybody. And I just, you know, I, I, I was a little, you know, I was a little afraid because they were going more in the direction of the actual Bill Murray voice. And so, you know, I, I really wanted to um, do a great job. I, I just really, you know, wanted to, here I was replacing someone and in the same regard, you know, I felt like I was taking this guy's job a little bit and, you know, that, that just happens in show business all the time. And, you know, but they, the producers wanted to go a completely different way. They wanted it to sound more like Bill Murray. Hmm. That's interesting. Of course, I need to hear some of the, the voices for Muppet Babies. Can you do a few of those for me? Okay. Yes, I can. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, my two favorite characters on that show, I mean, Animal is such a great character, but uh, Waldorf and Statler, the two old men in the balcony, yeah. when they added those two, it was just so much fun because I just got to deliver zingers. I just got to... Just, uh, yeah, you know what the best part about this show is? Uh, no, what's that? It ends. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just, you know, it was just great being able to, you know, just come in and say a couple zingers and, you know, it was, it was really fun, fun writing. And, you know, what, what people don't, I, I think a lot of people don't remember is that Muppet Babies was so, such an, innovative show for its time because we were cutting in a lot of live footage we were um doing songs a lot of music and we actually won the best animated emmy award four years in a row and um it was it was just such a you know it was such a fun ride to be doing these jim henson characters mm -hmm. as babies you know it was just really really fun and, and the cast and you know uh bob richardson our our producer and Hank Sroin, our director, they were, they were so great. It was just, you know, it, it just, the memories become fonder and fonder as I get older. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know. I think I was, uh, when did that come out? 85? I or 84, maybe say, yeah, a little earlier. It was 84. Okay. 1984 was, a, was a big year for me. It was the year yeah. that I did my first stand-up appearance on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson hosting. I, um, I started the series Out of Control on Nickelodeon. And I uh, started on The Muppet Babies uh, soon after. And so that was a, that was a big year. I, I remember the comedians back in that day, a lot of them were dope fiends, you know? And so they would smoke pot and snort coke uh -huh. and be drunk all the time. So I was, I was, you know, 22, 23 years old. And here I was around all these older guys who were just hammered all the time. And I remember, I remember these comedians at the comedy store on Sunset Strip one night cornering me and they're like, Hey, and they're out there smoking pot. And they're like, Hey, uh, you're doing all kinds of voiceover stuff. And I said, yeah. And you got like your own show now. And, what, uh, if I wanted to get this one comedian up who shall remain to be nameless, he goes, uh, what do I have to do to, uh, start doing all this voiceover stuff? I go, well, 
do you have a voiceover tape? No. Do you do a lot of different voices? No. <laughs> I'm like, mm, that could be a problem. <laughs> yeah. But I remember these guys cornering me thinking I had some kind of magic formula. They're like, you're, you're doing all this work. And I, was, I just wanted to say, well, I'm not smoking pot and doing coke and getting hammered in the parking lot of the comedy <laughs> store. Maybe that's one thing that might be holding you back. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, let's see. Can I hear your Bill Murray? Oh, stop it right now. Seriously. You know, so I got that going for me. You know, which is nice. <laughs> I can just imagine your your lip being to the side right now, too. Yeah, you know, I, I do a joke in my act where when I got the call for the Peter Bankman character, um, my dad my dad was always suspicious that if you did something crazy that you were on drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, and he used to say being you're you're hopped up. And so um, I, this is a true story. I got the call um, when I was at my dad's house. I was in Detroit. And, and I get the phone call there that uh, they wanted to hire me to do the, you know, the Peter Venkman voice. And so I got off the phone and I was doing Bill Murray. I was like, you know, I've got my lips sideways. And I was like, sure, Dad, looks like I'm going to be doing this uh, – you know, it's Peter Bankman, Bill Murray voice on Real Ghostbusters, you know. So I got that going for me, which is nice. And my dad just looked at me. He goes, are you hopped up? What's wrong with your lip? Do it. You look hopped up. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's a true story. Your dad seems like a character. My dad is the ultimate funny dad character who doesn't know he's being funny. yeah. yeah. He's just a he, he. My dad is like a cartoon character, you know. He, I, my dad's turning eighty-five in September, and he's wow. really funny. And um, he has a little trouble standing up, like if he's sitting down somewhere, he, you know, he's got some arthritis going. And so I bought him this chair that literally stands him up. All he has to do is just sit there, okay. and the chair yeah. kind of, you know, it's this electric chair. Yep. He calls it the electric chair. Go for the electric <laughs> chair. I'll be right back. So, so uh, I said to my brother, I said, "How is Dad liking the, uh, you know, his chair?" He goes, "He's in it all day long. He has people come over and watch him sit in his chair. He loves it so much." And I said, "Okay." So I went there and I visited my dad. My dad's in the chair when I walked into the house. And we're talking for a little bit. He goes, hey, you want to see a magic trick? And I go, yeah, okay. So he turns his chair on and he stands up and he just looks at me and he goes, ta-da! <laughs> yeah, in a nutshell right there. Oh, man. Yeah, you got to keep those memories sacred, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a cartoon. <laughs> okay, so I would kick myself if I don't talk at all about Full House. I love Full House. It's still a great show. Um, what are some of your greatest memories of Full House? You know, we did 192 episodes, and over the years, people have watched those 192 episodes umpteen times. We've, we've been syndicated in over 100 countries around the world. You know, Full House has never been off the air since 1987 when we premiered on ABC. Wow. Never, it's never gone off the air. It's always been picked up by some network 
here in the U.S., whether it was Nickelodeon or TBS or um, ABC Family. It's, it, you know, it's kind of remarkable. And, you know, everybody says, well, you know, what's your favorite memory? Now, you got to remember every for every one of those 192 episodes, I have five days of memories <laughs> where we were in production. And so it's, it's really hard for me to pick one great memory from, from Full House. A, a lot of it is just we all became such good friends. We really did become kind of a dysfunctional family in real life. I mean, we, um, my wife went to the went to the spa with Candace Cameron yesterday. That's how incestuous we are. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it becomes memories that are away from the show where we were on vacation or, you know, John Stamos and I would go to Hawaii when we were single or, you know, I've known Bob Saget since I was 18 years old, you know, and there's, you know, so when, you know, we're, it, it's all this interconnectivity and there's so many memories along the way. Lots of funny stuff happened on the show when the, you know, when the girls were little, uh, John, Bob and I were always in trouble by their moms because we would pull our pants down to make each other laugh and, you know, just say stupid things and the moms would all walk out with their arms crossed and go, uh, gentlemen, uh, our monitors are on back in our dressing rooms. We hear you and we see you. And I'm like, well, just turn them off. Can't you just turn them off? They're like, no, we want to see what's going on so we can prepare, you know, because the kids were all studying. They were, you know, doing schoolwork during the show. And so, um, the moms would sit there and watch what was going on out, of the, out on the set uh, so they could get the kids ready. So we were always doing something stupid where we got in trouble. And what about John Stamos? Is he a vampire or has he discovered the Fountain of Youth? Or, or what's, his, what's his secret? <laughs> he's, uh, he just got good genes, you know? Uh, you know, he's a... Uh, I had never... I'd never seen anything quite like it. When I when I first started on Full House with John, I would go places with him and just supermodels would be throwing themselves <laughs> at me. And I just I, I just kinda got to sit back and and watch it happen. You know, these girls would go absolutely crazy. Here here's how crazy it got. When when John was single he had this house up on Mulholland Drive, and it was like the ultimate bachelor house. He had a tennis court and a sauna and a jacuzzi and a pool and all this neon on the walls and a, a recording studio in his living room. So when you walked in, there was a bar and a piano and all this, all these guitars hanging on the walls and drum sets. And, and it was just like, oh, my gosh, you're kidding me. You know – this is just like, it's like the ultimate guy fantasy house. And so John would call me up and he'd say, hey, listen, you got to get over here. I got five girls here and I don't know what to do. Like, what do you mean you don't know what to do? He goes, there's just, just too many girls. Can you bring some guys over? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I remember a bunch of my knucklehead friends, my hockey buddies from Detroit were visiting me and... John called me up and he said, come on over, you know? And so 
uh, we actually went on, and my buddies were just hammered, wearing hockey helmets when they walked in, hockey gloves. It was just like, hey, let's go. And then, you know, they walk in, they're like, Dave, you're the best friend ever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was just, it was just fun to watch, you know, and, and you know, I, I just had never seen anything quite like it, you know, and, I, and John and I just became brothers immediately, I, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm standing here in my office here at home, and uh, I'm surrounded by all these pictures of me and John and uh, Ashley and Mary Kate and Candace when she was little and Jody Sweeten, and it's just kind of, you know, it, it's very rare that you end up on a TV show and you make such close friends for the rest of your life. Yeah. Do you get any information on Fuller House? Nothing I can really talk yeah. about. I know that there's very serious negotiations going on right now. Well, I'm looking forward to it. That's pretty amazing. After so many years, that's going to come back. Yeah, we don't want to screw it up. You know, we don't want to tarnish this nice, iconic image that Full House has become. We're all very aware of how the show is revered by a couple of generations now. And we have always been very leery about bringing it back. And I think it's it's very hard to bring something back that was 25 years ago mm-hmm. because, you know, it's just a different time. And the sensibilities have changed. Audiences have certainly changed. Um, clothing has changed. Styles have changed. And now you plug all of us in to those same roles and there's extremely high expectations that it's going to be just as funny and and it's hard to recreate nostalgia and we're very cognizant of that so you know we're we're trying to really be delicate with the full house legacy we don't want to ruin it cuz you could you could botch it up very quickly. Yeah. Now, the one thing I'm worried about is that the original is so wholesome, so family-centered. I'm afraid, since it's on Netflix, it might lean towards more of the crude side. You know what I mean? You know, I don't think that the writers will allow that to happen. Yeah. And I think I don't think we will allow that to happen either, because that's not what we're trying to do. You know, we're not trying to make Full House edgy. Exactly. We're trying to do it in a way where um, people, you know, still love the show, but in a different, updated way. Well, I'm excited for it. Um, any news on release at all? Uh, nothing I can really talk about. Okay. You know, um, it's you know, it's still in a stage where nothing is concrete, so I can't really say one way or another. Yeah. Okay, so Dave, uh, did you have anything coming up you wanted to promote? Or you want to promote your website, Twitter, and that kind of stuff? Yeah, my website is just davecoulier.com, and uh, people can follow me on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, there is some really cool cut-it-out stuff. We have this line of clothing called Cut It Out Wear, and nice. uh, it, that's, all on, uh, that's all on the website at davecoulier.com, and uh, I'll be out touring. And uh, doing tons of stand-up. And if uh, people want to come and see me, they just have to go to the website and they'll see all my dates. And we're adding more dates this year. And then my comedy special, uh, Glorified Birthday Clown, will be out uh, late fall this year. 
Yeah, I was actually on your website last night searching the the store, and I saw those Gladstones, and I had to, I had to laugh out loud when I saw those. <laughs> you know, we can't keep them stocked. It's like <laughs> for some reason we hit a chord with those people. Love them. No, I'm I'm going to order one too. <laughs> well, what we want to do is on the website we want people to name their Gladstone and uh, you know have a uh, an entire profile. Uh, oh, nice. you, know, you, do, you do good. The, the, real quickly, um, how those came about was uh, I used I just came out with the name, okay, I'm going to make these Gladstones, and I would give them to kids in the hospital, and I would draw oh. a little face and sign them, and I would say, this is going to bring you, you know, some good luck. And people said, you should start selling those. And I said, you know, I'm just going to give them to kids in hospitals and that whatnot and then my wife took over the store she said nope you're doing those gladstones i think people will really love them. <laughs> oh no out of everything in the store that and the, the mr woodchuck t-shirt stuck out to me <laughs> yeah those are the biggest seller the, the woodchucks uh they uh fly off the shelves <laughs> all right dave i always get people to close the podcast out as one of uh, your favorite characters. So would you like to close the episode off with any of one of your characters? Absolutely. Fast as fast can be, you'll never touch me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks.